Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Anyway, Jesus loves you. We love you. God is good. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to talk about overcoming offense. <laughs> and uh, you know what? If you're a believer very long, you've, get, you've had an opportunity to get offended. If you've come to this church very long, uh, if you know me very long, you've probably had an opportunity to get offended. Um, I'm going to read some scriptures that kind of prove that. So Barbara says, you shouldn't say that. I must, well, honey, it's true. Praise the Lord. So uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. I'm going to talk about breaking Satan's power through overcoming offense. And like I said, if you've been saved very long, you've probably had a chance to get offended. And if you've been in church very long, you've had a chance to get offended. And if you've known me very long, uh, you probably had a chance to get offended. So uh, anyway, I'll tell you something. Get over it. Andrew Womack was preaching one time, and I quoted him. He said, you need to get, get, get your thumb out of your mouth, grow up, and get over it. And man, this lady after church that day, she said, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. You said, get your thumb out of your mouth, grow up, and get over it. I said, yeah. And she was just so upset with me for saying that. And then in my office, a lady came in about a month later, and she opened up her, her, her purse, and she got this little paper out. She said, you said something in church the other day that absolutely set me free. <laughs> she said, you said, get your thumb out of your mouth, grow up and get over it. Hallelujah. So it's, it's how you take it. Praise God. And uh, once in a while, I myself need to get over some things. And I've been getting over some. It takes me a while sometime. But I get over it. Hallelujah. So let's turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to read the first five verses and begin this series on breaking Satan's power, overcoming offense. Then Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe to him through whom they come. In other words, there are going to be offenses. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be challenges with personalities, with people, with situations. He says, that's impossible. Now, look at what he says. Woe to him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. In other words, what's he saying? Offense is deadly. And if I could tell you anything, if you want to make it in the ministry, if you want to fulfill your destiny as a believer, you need to... Beware of offense. And you need to watch out for it. You need to guard against offense. You don't want to let offense get a hold of your heart. And I have found, especially since this pandemic, there are so many people in the world, they are offended about everything. Yeah. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, take a vaccination, don't take a vaccination. I mean, do this. I mean, people... Just offense has been ruling in the world. The political situation, offense is just terrible. And you know what? In the church, offense is terrible. We've had a terrible problem with offense. People getting offended over the craziest things. I remember years ago, we had a young man, and he heard me as when Cason Cruz was our worship leader. Cason's still an awesome friend, amazing friend to me. He's worship pastor in a church in Denver now. But I was in Kaysen's office talking to him about one of his friends that was doing some work for us, said something to him. This volunteer walked by and overheard me talking to Kaysen. And anyway, I, we were talking about Andrew King. He thought we were talking about Andrew somebody else who I don't even know. And this, this young man took an offense. Inevitably, you know, he was volunteering in the television department, and we really uh, were about ready to hire someone. I was thinking about hiring him. So he came in to see me. He was all charged up and all cranked up, and I, I said, listen, you don't even have the story right. I don't even know this, Andrew, you're talking about. You didn't even know what Case and I were talking about. You need to beware of this offense. Well, I'm quitting my volunteer position. Well, he quit his volunteer position. He got offended. He got mad. 
It's when Pastor Max Cornell, who we helped plant the church in, you know, Kansas City, there on the west side of Kansas City, Karis Church, there in western Kansas City, Pastor Max and Molly Cornell, they're doing a great job uh, pastoring there, by the way. Uh, but anyway, Max was my pastor, so he came in a few months later to make an appointment with Pastor Max. He got offended. He, he quit. You know, he quit everything. He went to a living with a girl, an ex-Karis Bible College student. She was demon-possessed. He got demon-possessed. So he came in to see Pastor Max to try to get the devil cast out of him. And I'm telling you, you need to beware of offense. In fact, some people, you know what? They listen to people that seem to be right and they're wrong, and they'll pick up offense. There are ministries that actually carry offense. And, for instance, Andrew Womack used to have this one person come. He would teach at the Bible school. And he was a tremendous teacher. I could not fault his teaching. But every time this person came, there would be people quit the Bible school and quit the church. And so, you know, I've been friends with Andrew for 45 years. And in 45 years, I've only talked to him about three things ever that bothered me. Now listen, I've been very involved in the Bible school. I'm sure in the last 25 years since they've started the Bible school, at, I, there have been things that have bothered me sometimes at least 10 a year. But I've only ever talked to Andrew about three of them. Because it's not my ministry. And most of the time it's not my place. But I went and I talked to Andrew about this certain person that he's having teach. I said, Andrew, I wish you would never have this person teach again. I've listened to his teaching. I can't fault his teaching. But I said, Andrew, every time he comes, because sometimes people are saying the right thing, but the Bible says you know them by their fruit. Sometimes they are saying the right thing, but their fruit proves something different. And so I asked Andrew never to have this person. He said, Lawson, I've made the decision never to have this person again. He had already made that decision. And he said, I'm like you. I cannot fault his teaching. But he says he has a bad attitude. And this is what I think when he teaches the students pick up on this bad attitude and they quit the Bible school and they quit, my ch quit your church. And so he said, I have made the decision, and this is, you know, this is close to, you know, 15 to 20 years ago that I talked to Andrew about this. He said, they quit my Bible school, they quit your church, and I've already made the decision not to have him back again. And he's never had him back. Thank God. There are other ministries like that. It seems like what they teach is good. It seems like what they teach is right. And yet they carry a spirit of offense. In fact, we have a couple that comes here to this church. And I dearly love them. They're very mature believers. They're very strong. We support them. They have a great ministry. And uh, they travel a lot. But... You know, they ask about doing something, and I said, well, we can't do that, but we could do this. And I gave them a different opportunity. And so they called me up and wanted a meeting. It, I was so busy, it took me about three or four weeks to meet with them. And so, so I met with them three or four weeks later, and we had lunch, and they said, you know what? We caught ourselves. And they said, we almost got offended. And then we realized that this is the devil, and the devil is causing offense, and he's trying to stir up offense. And it's a major area, and if you want to break the devil's power, you've got to beware of offense. Jesus says here that the person who brings offense, it would be better for them if you took a millstone and hung it around their neck and threw them on the body. It's pretty violent. In other words, offense is deadly, and you've got to guard your heart against offense. The devil will get you offended about the dumbest things, crazy things. 
ridiculous thing. So you need to guard your heart because the devil wants to take you out. He wants to make you ineffective. If he, if he you know, can, he wants to destroy your relationship with God. And so you've got to guard against offense. Jesus goes on and says, Take heed to your brother if your brother trespass against you. Rebuke him. So if somebody trespasses against you, you're to go to them personally. He says this in other places. We'll talk about this at length later. He says, if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day comes to you and says, I repent. In other words, we can all make mistakes, right? Repent means to turn around, to change your mind, to go a different direction. He said, you shall forgive him. In another place, Jesus said, they said, how many times shall we forgive our brother? Seven times, Jesus said, 70 times seven, 490 times. In other words, you're to forgive them like God forgives you. So forgiveness is a necessity in overcoming offense. People are going to do things wrong. They're going to be wrong sometimes. They're just people. They're just humans. And the apostle said unto the Lord, look at this in verse 5, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> in other words, Jesus, what you're preaching, what you're saying is challenging. Amen. We need an increase in the realm of faith to be able to do this. Praise God. Now today, I'm going to talk about overcoming offense through making a decision to walk in the love of God. And when we talk about love in human relationships, in a biblical sense, there are really four Greek words that are used for love. The first one is friendship, right? Gene is my friend. I'm happy to call him my friend. Philadelphia was called the city of brotherly love. It comes from the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love. You're kind to me. You're friends with me. I'm kind to you. We're friends. The next Greek word for, for love is the Greek word storge. It's talking about affection like you have for your family. Right? They say blood is thicker than water. And, you know, you can't choose your family. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. But you, got, you have a certain affection, right, for your family because they are your family, storge or affection. The third Greek word is eros. It's talking about physical love, sexual love, as in a marriage. But the highest form of love in relationships, in human relationships, is agape, and it's talking really about the love of God for us. It's talking about love that is not earned. It's talking about the God kind of love. The, the uh, old English in the King James calls it charity. In other words, if you give somebody charity, right, it's not something they deserve. Praise God. But it's something, it's just the love of God working in you. Charity. So, you know, if you're going to make a decision as a believer, you know what? You need to make a decision not only according to the Word of God. First of all, what does the Word say? But secondly, you need to make decisions based in the love of God. And if you make decisions outside of the love of God, you, you can easily make the wrong choice, make a bad decision. So you need to have your decisions rooted in the love of God. The Greek word is agape or agapeo, praise God. The God kind of love. In other words, God is love and he's just love and he loves you no matter what you've done, praise God. And that's how we need to love other people with the love of God. So the first thing as I share on uh, overcoming offense, breaking the devil's power, I, I believe some of the strongest power on the earth is the power of the love of God. So love is the greatest commandment. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, and we'll read in Mark chapter 12. Notice this in verse 28 through verse 31. One of the scribes came having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well. 
Ask him which is the first commandment of them all. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Love God with everything in you. When he says, love God with all your heart, your heart's talking about a combination of your spirit and your soul. So love God with everything in you from, from the, the spiritual sense. Amen? Love God. Love him with all your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. All your mind. That's a part of your soul. And finally, also with all of your strength, with all of your body. Love God with everything in you. Love God. But Jesus did not stop there. Jesus went on and said, the second is like, namely this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. There is none other greater than these than love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 34 and verse 35. He talked about the love of God. And he said in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So how did Christ love us? How does God love us? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that God commended his love toward us, demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words... God loved us, Christ loved us, Christ died for us when we were making all the wrong choices and doing all the wrong things. He said, I want you to love one another in this way. He says then in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. This is, this is the hardcore test of love. Do, you know, do you love one another? This is, are you a disciple? Do you love one another? If you don't love one another, you're probably not a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows the teachings of Jesus and does what Jesus says. Amen. Right? So a, a, a disciple hears the teaching of Jesus, hears the word of God, and does what the word of God says. A disciple, the Bible says, brings forth much fruit. And a disciple walks in love. So you can tell if somebody's a disciple by what they do with the Word of God, by how they bring forth fruit, and by the love test. And we'll talk more about the love test before we get done today. Amen. But Jesus said by this, this is, this is a commandment that I give you. You love one another as I loved you. Now Jesus loved us again freely, unconditionally. He loved us when we were making all the wrong choices, doing all the wrong things, Jesus loved us, and we're to love one another with the same love that Jesus loved us. It, John talks about this in his epistle in 1 John chapter 3. We can read verse uh, 23 and verse 24. He says this, this is his commandment, that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Right, you must believe on the name of the son of God. You got to believe on Jesus to be born of God, John chapter 1, verse 12, and verse 13. He says that you believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that he keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. You know that you're a child of God because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if we go to the end of 1 John chapter 4, and he's talking all about this walking in love in 1 John 4. But he says this in verse 20 and verse 21. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3. The Bible says he that hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. 
Hallelujah. So you don't want to let hatred rule you, right? You want to let the love of God rule you. He says this, For he who loves not his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? This is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Now, Romans chapter 13 tells us, in Romans chapter 13, let's read verse 8 through verse 10, but Paul is talking about the highest commandment. Again, the greatest commandment is the commandment to love one another as Christ loved us. Paul says in Romans 13 verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill or murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So Jesus said it's the highest law. Paul says it's the highest law. John says it's the highest law to walk in love. Love God and love your neighbor. Now, as Paul writes about this, he says, we, we don't know. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, this talks about you're not supposed to owe anybody finances, money. Well, if it's a sin to borrow, then it's a sin to lend. And the Bible says this in the blessings. It says, you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. So I personally believe that people who say that have taken this scripture completely out of context. I do believe that in the United States of America that we have a debt mentality, and I believe that we need to break that debt mentality. Amen. So my personal thing is I try never to borrow money on anything that loses money. In other words, anything that devaluates, right? I only try to borrow money on things that... Uh, it, uh, appreciate. And I had three mentors that helped me when I, in finances when I started in the ministry. All three of these men started out with nearly nothing, right? And they all borrowed money, in fact, borrowed lots of money. They were in agriculture. It takes lots of money to make it in agriculture. And they all became millionaires and multimillionaires by using other people's money. And I've borrowed a little money along. I still owe a little bit. I don't owe a lot compared to the assets that I have, but I still have a little bit of money borrowed. Praise God. I personally do not believe that it is a sin to borrow because I believe if, if, you, if it was a sin to borrow, then it's a sin to lend. The Bible says you'll lend and not borrow. Amen? So that's, that's the blessing. Hallelujah. And we're lending as a church. We lend. Hallelujah. We got money working for us, money helping us. But we've used money, borrowed money a couple times. We used borrowed money when we moved into the Elkton building. And we, we borrowed $620,000. It was supernatural how God helped us there. And we put, Jesus told me, pay that off and save money. And we did exactly what he said. And we borrowed a little money when we, when we bought this building. And then, but the day we moved in it, it was completely paid for. This is a complete miracle. And God gave this to us. Now, we didn't borrow the money on this property. We borrowed the money on the Elkton property because we had to pay cash for this. But we had 4.5 million saved. We bought this for 5.4 million, 300,000 bank fee and took 2 million to build it out. So we got $7.7 .7 million in this property physically, right? And the, the county valuation is 22 million. So God blessed us. God showed us that opportunity. God gave it to us. He prepared us for it ahead of time, and he helps us. So I'm not against somebody borrowing money, but you need to use a lot of wisdom with it, right? And uh, you need to have some friends like I have had friends of wisdom. You know, the Bible actually says this. I'll give you this because many times people come and ask me about certain business ventures, business thing, and I'll say, find three people 
that are older than you that have started the business that wasn't given to them by their family, so on and so forth, that have went out and made this money on their own doing what you want to do and then listen to what they have to say. That's what I did. And then take things from each one of them that you can employ in your business. And I've, got, I've had mentors in business and I've also had mentors in ministry and I listen to what they tell me. In fact, two of my main mentors in, in the area of finance have went home to be with Jesus, but I can still hear them sometimes in my head talking to me, praise God. And the Bible says this in Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, he that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And sometimes people saying a lot haven't really done a lot, so you need to understand what they've done and, and specifically in certain areas. So I also not only have mentors in business, I have mentors in ministry. And I find people and I listen to what wise people have to say, right? And, and everybody's got little things different. Sometimes people do things differently. But you need to have people you listen to. But he says, don't owe any man anything. That, that was all extra, okay? But love one another, for he that loves his brother has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not uh, kill or murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, is briefly comprehended in this commandment, you will love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor and commit adultery with your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor and commit adultery with their spouse. You can't love yourself and commit adultery with your neighbor or their spouse, and you sure can't love God and commit adultery, right? So love is the highest law. You gotta, does it pass the love test? He says, uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal. You can't love someone and steal from them, right? Why do you wanna go steal? It, it just shocks me why people wanna do evil, right? Shocks me why people wanna sell drugs, you know, I'm talking about illegal drugs, some of them legal, right, in the state of Colorado. I, I, I'm shocked that anyone wants to do th things that would harm other people. There's so many honest ways to make a living, right? And there's so many honest ways to be blessed. I just, it just shocks me. So he says, you shall not steal. He said, you shall not uh, bear false witness. You can't love someone and lie about them. Don't bear false witness, right? You shall not covet, right? I think I coveted these boots. Aaron sold me these boots today before church. He had to call Heather and uh, have her bring another pair of boots from home. But Aaron bought these boots. Praise God, he got a really good deal. He bought them on the internet. He showed me them. He was polishing them. He said, this Bezos, he's one of the richest people in the world. He wore a pair of these boots into outer space. But anyway, Aaron got these, and he got a really good deal on them. And so uh, I got a really good deal, and I had blessed Aaron and Heather with something, told him you could pay so much also. Aaron made me a deal. He made some more money. But anyway, I think I coveted these boots, so I might have to go and repent. Uh, but anyway, Aaron had to tell me this story about these boots last night. And then he's wearing them. He said, Dad, they might fit you, and they do, and they're really nice. And so... Hallelujah. I think I, I had a little, uh, I have a little uh, confession to do here. So the Bible says if we confess our faults one to another, pray for one another, God will forgive us. So anyway, uh, God is so good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And Aaron, I'm blessed to have Aaron. He gets all kind of good deals. He lets me in on some of them. Hallelujah. But anyway, you shall not covet. He says, uh, um, he says, you shall love your neighbor all the, all, as yourself. Love doesn't work any ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the... You can't love someone, steal from them, lie about them, right? You just can't love someone, sin against them. That's just not love. That's not the God kind of love. So every major... We need to make decisions based out of the love of God. So love is the greatest commandment. The second thing when I think about this is that love is the nature of God. Turn with me back to 1 John. In 1 John chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 7 to verse 11 or 12. He says this, 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. The Bible actually says that God, the Bible says that God is four things. It says God is love, God is light, God is life, and it says this in the end of Hebrews chapter 12, it says our God is a consuming fire. Now in 2014, I actually had a vision. I saw the glory of God. I saw Jesus. It took me a while to realize that it was Jesus. But when I saw his eyes, it says in Revelation, his eyes are as a flaming fire. And his eyes were like yellow, orange, and red fire. And, and, and they're consumed with love. He, he, he's amazing. Praise God. And so our God is a consuming fire. You need to be consumed with the love of God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. He goes on to say, in this was manifested, revealed, demonstrated the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God. It's not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the covering for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. So love is the nature of God. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 actually says this. It says that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So if you're born again, if you're born of God, you have the love of God in you. Because you have the love of God in you, you have the ability to walk in love. You see, the Bible actually talks in Galatians chapter 5. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be reading to begin with in verse 22 to verse 25. But Galatians chapter 5, the Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and it talks about the works of the flesh. And then he defines what they are. But in verse 22, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance against such there is no law and they who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit if we live in the spirit let us walk in the spirit amen so we need to walk in the spirit we need to walk in love now when it says the fruit of the spirit is love all of the, the, the remaining of the nine fruit of the Spirit, there are nine in total, including love, come forth from love. So it's love, joy, peace, right? Long-suffering, gentleness. In other words, when you walk in love, joy comes from walking in. I've never seen a person that's full of strife, full of joy at the same time. They just don't work together, Right? Peace comes from what? Love. I've never seen a person that's full of strife, full of peace. Right? So love. So let love be the law that guides us. Let love be the law that directs us. All of the fruit of the Spirit flow forth from the fruit of love. God is love. Love is the nature of God. You have the Spirit in you. Now, in the beginning of this Aaron, when Paul begins to talk about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, he says in verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The way that you overcome the works of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the way that you overcome it is by walking in the Spirit. So you can focus on the flesh, you can focus on the things of the flesh, right? The outward man. 
adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, all those different things. You can focus on those, but focusing on sin will not help you overcome sin. See, that's why none of the people in the Old Testament were set free from sin because the Bible says in Romans 3.20, by the law is the knowledge of sin. So they knew what sin was, but focusing on sin could not free them from sin. It only gave sin more power. The law made sin stronger. The law actually says, the, the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 15.56, the law is the strength of sin. But if you want to overcome sin, the way or, or the, the works of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the, lust, the way that you overcome that is you let the Spirit of Christ in you rule you, right? And love is the first fruit of the Spirit. So he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. They who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its affections and lusts. So you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you have the love of God in you, and you have the ability to love other people. We'll talk about this more next week, but you have the ability to forgive other people because you have the love of God in you. Amen? And since you have the love of God in you, love is stronger than hatred. I said God is four things. He's life, light, love, and a consuming fire. When you think about that, love is stronger than hatred. Life is stronger than death. Light is stronger than darkness. The way you overcome darkness is not by focusing on darkness and talking about darkness and telling people how bad the darkness is. The way that you overcome darkness is you turn on the light. And the light is stronger than the darkness. And people who are born of God love the light. Amen. Jesus talked about that. So love is the greatest commandment. Love is the nature of God. And when you're born of God, you have the Spirit of Christ in you. You have all the fruit of the Spirit in you. You have the nature of God in you. So you have the ability to overcome offense. You have the ability to overcome strife, hatred, all these different things in the world. Darkness, because you've got the nature of God in you. Now, the Bible actually says this. The mark of maturity as a believer is love. The Bible says in Colossians 3.14, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Right? The bond of maturity. So I can't tell you how mature you are by how well you operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They are gifts. Just because somebody has a gift, and they're very strong in the gifts, maybe the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, maybe the, the working of miracles and the gift of faith, right? Maybe the gifts of healing. Just because they have a gift, that doesn't make them a spiritual giant. And I, in fact, I've seen some people that operate in the manifestations of the Spirit pretty strong that aren't very developed in the love of God. So the Bible says as a believer, we're, we're to put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. It's the mark of Christian maturity. And, and how, how much you operate in the gifts does not prove your spirituality. What proves your maturity, right, your spiritual growth, is how well you do in the love walk. And I'll show you the love test in a little bit. And we can all work on it. Pastor Lawson can work on it first. All right? Anybody knows me knows I can work a little bit in this area. And anybody that knows himself and is honest with himself knows they can work on it too. So let's go to Colossians and look at this. <coughs> Excuse me. I am healed. My body's just taking some time to... Get over it. Say, get over it. Hallelujah. All right. Colossians chapter 3, let's begin reading in verse 10. He, he said, actually, let's, let's just begin in verse 1. And I'll go through here really quickly. But he says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. 
Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's talking about identification as a Christian. He said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, you will appear with him in glory. Mortify your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection. Uh, all, the, all these are sexual sins. In other words, these things stand out. These are sin, right? Sometimes people are sinning, and you know they're sinning. It's just ugly, right? But, but he talks about these things. He says, inordinate affection, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In other words, if you let those things rule you, it'll bring judgment, right? He says, in which you walk sometime when you lived in them. We don't walk there because we don't live there anymore, right? But now, now he goes a little farther here. Notice this in verse 8. Put off all these also, anger, wrath, malice. Malice is determined lasting anger. Sometimes you're just determined to be mad at somebody right? I've seen some of those people. Blasphemy, filthy communication out your mouth. You got to guard it. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. He said, put off this old nature, put off this old way of living, put off this old lifestyle, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. Put on Christ, he says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all in all. In other words, it's not about religion, education. It's not about class. It's about Jesus. So put on Jesus. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. So what it means to forbear love, this is, it says this in 1 Corinthians 13, love will bear up under anything. In other words, love might know that somebody's done something, but it will bear up under it anyway. God is love. God is the author of forbearance. God knew we would do things wrong and yet loved us anyway, yet sent Christ to die for us anyway. Christ knew we would make the wrong choices, do the wrong things, and yet died. That's forbearance. He says, forbear one another and forgive one another. If anyone have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do you. And above all these things, put on charity. Put on the God kind of love. That that's not deserved, that's the, that that's not earned, he says, which is the bond of maturity, the bond of perfection. So how much you operate in the gifts does not prove your spirituality. How much you know the word does not prove your spirituality. What proves your maturity as a believer is how well you walk in love. How well do you live this love life? Amen? And did you know what? We can all be challenged with it. Let's go back to Ephesians and look really quickly at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's talking about this same thing in Ephesians 4. He's talking about put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new man. He says in verse 24, which is after God, in the likeness of God, created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he goes in in verse 25 and he says, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. What you do affects other people. Romans 14 says something like this. No man is an island. No man lives to himself or dies to himself. In other words, you're all affecting someone. Someone's affecting you. Then look at this in verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let the sun not go down on your wrath. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at this scripture. One way is you can be mad and be mad all the time and not sin. How can you do that? You have to direct your anger. And he tells us in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Right? Be angry. You can be mad if you direct your anger. You direct your anger at the devil. The only way you can be angry and not sin, right, and be mad all, is, is direct your anger. I hate the devil. 
I hate his works. I know that he's the author of sickness. I know he's author of sin. I know he's author of death. I know he's author of destruction. I know he's author of poverty. I hate the devil. I hate the devil. Do you understand me? I hate the devil and I hate the works of the devil. That's why I don't want to have anything to do with him. So be angry and sin not. Neither let the sun go down on your head. Another way is, you can be angry and not sin, but don't go to bed mad. If you got a challenge like at home with your bride, amen, with your groom, work it out. Amen. Don't go to bed mad. Get over it. Amen. Barbara's going to tell me sometime. Amen. Grow up. Amen. Get your thumb out of your mouth and get over it. Hallelujah. I need to get over some things. Praise God. Now, some of them I've been working on a long time. Hallelujah. So anyway, I'm going to stop right there. I'll get myself in trouble that I don't need to be in. So he says, neither give place to the devil. In other words, if you let the flesh get a hold of it, you don't put off the old man, put on the new man. You're going to give place to the devil. You don't want to give place to the devil. You, and I'm telling you, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. Unforgiveness, strife, bitterness, resentment. Open the door to the devil in your life so you can stop the devil before he stops you. Offense opens the door to the devil in your life. If you want to open the door to the devil, then just don't get over it. But if you want to stop the devil before he stops you, get over it. Amen? He says, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands. Let him labor. You know, the thing that is good that he may have to give to him. Here's the reason you ought to be working. You work to give. If you work to give, if you make your goal giving, your living will not be a problem. Amen. So many people just trying to make a living. Change that. Amen. Start working to give. Make your goal given. Amen. God will see that sowers have seed to sow. I can, my life proves it so many times. I'm going to stop right there. Okay, so he says this. Let him work that he may give to, to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication. Look at verse 29. Proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying. That is easier said than done. In other words, if it doesn't build people up, we, don't, we need to guard our heart, guard our mouth, that it may minister grace. If it doesn't minister grace to the people that hear it, maybe we don't need to say it. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Well, look at the context. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, with all determined, lasting anger. I had a person tell my mother, she, this person told my mother, I hate Lawson and there's nothing he can do about it. If he does this, I'm going to be mad. If he does that, I'm going to be mad. I'm just going to be mad. Well, listen, it's going to be hard for God to reach you until you get over it. Okay? I can't help that. Did you know I can't help that? That's their choice. That's their choice. I can live in love. I can forgive them, but I can't do it. They have to deal with themselves, right? And you can deal with yourself. And so he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, determined lasting anger, let it be put away. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God forgave you. Can you forgive one another? Amen. We'll talk more about forgiveness. Then he says this in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be mimickers. Be imitators of God as dear children. That's what it says in the little Greek. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. Amen? Now, can I give you this really quickly? The love test. How well do you do on the love test? 1 Corinthians 13. You need to get 1 Corinthians 13. You need to read verse 4 through 8. You can read the whole chapter. 
But take verse 4 through 8 and read it in the old Amplified. They got a new Amplified, the old Amplified. I like the old Amplified, okay? So the older Amplified, it says this. Love endures long and is patient and kind. So not only does love endure, but it's patient and kind. It never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful and vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not arrogant. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights and its own way. Right? Don't be a selfish person, in other words. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account. It takes no account. We read that scripture, oh, no man, anything. Don't hold it in account. Don't have an account where you're holding things against people. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevails. Look at verse 7. Love will bear up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. That's the love of God. The Bible in, in the King James it calls, calls it charity. He says... Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Love never fails. The love of God never fails. The love of God always wins. Amen? So you want to you be out there, and you want to bear fruit, and you want to keep bearing fruit. Amen? You want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Make a choice to walk in love. Make a choice to let the love of God rule you. Amen? And then check yourself out every, every once in a while. I call 1 Corinthians 13 the love test. Check yourself out on the love test and see how you're doing. Amen? I love you. God bless you. Amen? You're easy to love. What about the people that are hard to love? God bless you. We appreciate you. Aaron's going to come. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.